Chilson Motors with Gene Chilson, our sponsors of our Wax Farm Show podcast. At Chilson's Corner Motors of Cadott and Chilson Chrysler Dodge, Jeep and Ram, we have an excellent selection of certified pre-owned Ram models to choose from. Purchase a certified Ram and receive our 7-year, 100,000-mile warranty and its factory-backed coverage from Ram. A certified Ram offers a great deal of confidence and peace of mind with a 7-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And we now have a great selection in stock and ready for immediate delivery. And ready to get those farm chores done. Absolutely. To see all the models, call, click, or visit Chilson's Corner Motors of Cadott on the corner of Highway 27 and X or Chilson Chrysler Dodge on Business Highway 53 or visit us on the web at chilson.com. And remember, let our family take care of your family. Did you know Bluff Country Feed and Seed in Mondovi is really growing to meet the needs of farmers? Matt has expanded his service area and your animals can enjoy the expanded feed lines and bulk custom feed mixes right now. He also has seed for all your planting needs for next spring's planting. Visit Bluff Country Feed and Seeds website at bluffcountryfs.com to see what Matt and the crew can do for you. It's the Wax Midwest Farm Report podcast with Joe Welke, Kristen Smith, and me, Bob Bosold. Good morning to you. I'm Kristen Smith, and we've got some interesting weather coming in today. We'll be touching base on that, but we really can't complain. Over the weekend, there was that Saturday night, a little sketchy in places, some freezing on the roads, and that fog. Wow, that was kind of that was kind of tricky on Saturday night. But overall, not a bad weekend. I know the kids and I, and this is something I think everyone will kind of remember. Back in the day before we had Netflix and satellites and all these, you know, big dishes outside of our houses, we had just the good old-fashioned television. And every year around this time comes out The Grinch That Stole Christmas. And it would always be on TV for the half-hour special. So I sat my kids down and we watched that this weekend. And they're like, this is so old. And I'm like, this is the classic. So then we watched the next one, which was The Grinch That Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey. We watched that one. And they're like, oh, this is the best one, Mom. This, out of the two, this is their favorite. And I said, great. Then we turned on the actual The Grinch, which just came out here not too, not too many years ago. And they watched that. And now they've changed their minds again. They say, that's the best one. I don't know. What's your favorite? I kind of like the old school one from back in just the TV days, half hour special. But Jim Carrey, I really like him as the Grinch. I think he did a great job. So we got to see what everyone thinks. What do you think? Who was the best Grinch? The original, Jim Carrey, or the new totally animated version? What's your favorite? So we'll be talking about Christmas weather news. We've got some interesting stuff from the Wisconsin Farmers Union. They wrapped up their convention last night. So we'll be talking about the president of the Wisconsin Farmers Union and also who is on the board. So we've got that and a whole lot more coming up right here on WAX. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, we are at 32 degrees right now in the Eau Claire, Chippewa Falls, Menominee area, looking at a high of 37 today and 37 tomorrow and 38 on Wednesday. So not some, not too bad a weather coming our way, but we do have rain and snow and more rain and snow coming this way. 
Hopefully this kind of comes through. We have a beautiful layer of snow for Christmas. Less than two weeks away. You think it'll happen? I don't know. That's right. He better be running because there's a lot of kids out there that are looking forward to Santa visiting in less than two weeks away. Hopefully you got your gifts purchased. I know I've got mine almost done and we just have to work on the wrapping, which it always sounds like fun until you have to do it. And then it's not as much fun as you get older. But it is 5 o'clock on 104.5 FM, WAXX Eau Claire. It's time this morning to check in with some news. NBC News Radio, I'm Mark Mayfield. NASA's Orion spacecraft is back on Earth following its weeks-long flight around the moon. The Orion splashed down off the coast of Baja, California, Mexico Sunday after completing its 25-and-a-half-day historic mission. Its journey covered 1.4 million miles after launching from Kennedy Space Center on November 16th. NASA aims to use the Artemis One mission to eventually get astronauts back on the moon. NASA said the mission's primary goals were to demonstrate Orion's systems in a spaceflight environment and ensure safe reentry, descent, splashdown, and recovery. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is expecting inflation to dip significantly by the end of 2023. I am very hopeful that the labor market will remain quite healthy uh, so that people can feel good about their finances and their personal economic situation. During an interview with CBS 60 Minutes that aired Sunday, Yellen said there's a risk of recession next year, but she doesn't believe it's something that's necessary to bring inflation down. Her comments came as inflation remains near a 40-year high. Twitter is sent to relaunch its subscription service today. Scott Carr reports. Twitter Blue had to be rolled back following an early November rollout after users paid the 8 bucks for verification only to then use it to impersonate brands and celebrities. Now a revamped version will be available at $11 a month for Apple users and $8 a month for everyone else. Twitter Blue will allow users to edit tweets, upload high-quality videos, and their account gets the blue checkmark symbol. Elon Musk, who took Twitter private for $44 billion in November, had a series of tweets last month listing various grievances with Apple. I'm Scott Carr. And WNBA star Brittany Griner said to be doing well as she recovers at a Texas military hospital after being released from Russian custody. Appearing on ABC's This Week, the White House's John Kirby described Griner as being in very good spirits and in good health. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. The first voice of agriculture in Wisconsin for over 35 years. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, before we jump into, we've got weather and markets coming up. But first, let's touch base on the Wisconsin Farmers Union. They wrapped up their 92nd annual state convention yesterday in the Dells. And Darren Von Ruden was re-elected president of the Wisconsin Farmers Union. Paul Adams of Oliva and Dylan Bruce of Ferryville were elected to serve as delegates to the National Farmers Union Convention, which is happening March 5th through the 7th in San Francisco. Four district director seats were up for election this year, with all four incumbents retaining their seats. District 1 director and board secretary Linda Seiler was re-elected. Jen Schmitz of Cashton will continue to represent in District 4. Michael Slattery, who was appointed by the board to fill Adamski's vacated seat this fall, will serve District 8. And New London bee farmer Rachel, I, I hope I don't mess this up, Bressa retains the at-large seat. Other board members include Ed Garell of Oliva, Tina Hinchley of Cambridge, Sarah Lloyd from Wisconsin Dells, and Dave Rosen from Glenwood City. And Paul Adams from Oliva, who was also elected to serve as that delegate to the National Farmers Union, also received an award. 
This is the third year that the Wisconsin Farmers Union presented a special Emerging Leader Award to an individual who has ignited energy and engagement in the Wisconsin Farmers Union. This year's Emerging Leader is Paul Adams. Adams has been heavily involved with the Wisconsin Farmers Union's Dairy Together efforts to promote the Dairy Revitalization Plan. So congratulations to Paul Adams, along with Darren Von Rudin, Dylan Bruce, and everyone who was involved there. I heard they had some great conversations, great discussions, and I'm sure Bob and Jill will have more on that tomorrow morning. But we've got to keep moving along here. We've got some weather. We'll take a brief look at that coming up next, right here on Wax. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, let's take it that morning weather, shall we? We're looking at a mostly cloudy day today with a high of 37 degrees. Now, tonight is when things get a little sketchy. There's going to be a mix of rain and snow but only a low of 30. Tomorrow, it's going to be cloudy in the morning, some wind coming in. And then in the afternoon, we've got that rain coming in, looking at a high of 37 degrees. And then tomorrow night, that's when it gets really yucky. We've got clouds, we've got rain, we've got a snow mix, a low of 32. So right at that freezing point. So if you're out and about Tuesday night, be careful on those roads. And then leading into Wednesday, we've got rain that's going to be switching into snow, expecting about an inch on Wednesday. But we're going to have a high of 38 degrees. So temperature-wise, not too bad. Weather-wise, the rain, snow, not so great. Wednesday night, clouds and snow, so maybe we'll have that white Christmas. I'm kind of hoping. Temperatures around the area right now, we've got Medford at 29 degrees. Over in La Crosse, they're at 34. Marshfield and Green Bay, both at 30 degrees. Odd one for you, Rice Lake up north, 31 degrees. Considering down south, they're a little cooler. Kind of interesting. Wausau, 29 Madison at 33, Milwaukee at 35, and right here in the Eau Claire, Chippewa Falls, Menominee area, 32 degrees. It's only going to warm up just a little bit today. But we've got your morning markets. Those are coming in next, and they'll be brought to you by. For those who work in acres, not in hours, Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, that's a perfect gift. Go to Colby Chrysler, pick up a new Dodge Ram Laramie. And save some money, and then you can go to Rural Mutual Insurance and get insurance for it. See? Best of both worlds. And this morning's markets will be brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. We've got your choice-fed beef steers at 144 to 159 your mixed 89 to $1.43. Choice-fed beef heifers, 143 to 153 your mixed 96 to 141 Choice-fed Holstein steers, 130 to 141 Select and silage-fed, 80 to 129 Cows are at 58 to 95 Bulls, 60 to 95. Butcher hogs, 55 to 83. Sows, 45 to 49 and a half. Your boars, 20 and a half and down. Shorn market lambs are at 101 to 127. Feeder lambs are at 105 to 240. Ewes are at 70 to 95. Small goats, 25 to 190. Medium goats, 75 to 210. Large goats, 120 to 475. Nanny goats, 25 to 270. Switching over to the Mercantile Exchange, live cattle for December is at one fifty three sixty seven, up a dollar twenty five. February's at one fifty five fifty five, up a dollar sixty two. April's at one fifty nine thirty five, up a dollar thirty. Feeder cattle for January is at one eighty three ninety two, that's up forty five cents. March is at one eighty five ten, up a nickel. April's at one eighty eight sixty, up a quarter. Lean hogs for December is at eighty one fifty seven. That was down forty two cents. February's at eighty four dollars, that's down seventy cents. April's at ninety one. That was up a quarter. Switching over to the Chicago Board of Trade, we've got your March corn up two cents on the overnight to six forty six. Your March oats up a penny to three thirty five. March beans took a hit down twenty two cents to fourteen sixty five. March soybean meal down eight dollars and sixty cents to four sixty a ton. 
Your March wheat was down eight at seven forty two. On the dairy side, barrel cheese was unchanged on Friday to a dollar ninety five. Your blocks, however, went up two and a half cents to two oh nine and a half. And your double A grade butter, just in time for the holidays, up twelve and three quarter cent to two eighty one and a quarter. And your class three futures for December up twelve cents to twenty fifty. January up a penny to nineteen twenty four. February up a dime to nineteen twenty eight. March up four to nineteen fifty. April up six to nineteen seventy two. And then those markets were mixed through twenty twenty three. That's a look at your morning markets. Sixteen minutes after five o'clock on a Monday morning. And on Friday, Bob mentioned the World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates report was going to be coming out at 11 o'clock, and it did. And as we expected, no major changes. For corn, the USDA lowered the U.S. export forecast by 75 million bushels and raised the ending stocks for 22 to 23 to 1.257 billion bushels. On the world front, there were some small changes, with world-ending stocks being lowered to 298.4 million metric tons. There was no major changes in corn production for either Argentina or Brazil, even though Argentina is enduring drought conditions with just 33% of that crop planted. Switching over to soybeans, only a minor change was expected in those ending stocks, but instead the USDA chose to leave those stocks unchanged at 220 million bushels. Switching over to the world side, ending stocks were raised to 102.7 million metric tons, and once again, Argentina and Brazil production estimates, those were also left unchanged. There were no changes for China, despite the fact that their 11-month import total is currently down 8% from a year ago. So that was what that report came out with. We'll be in touch on more when the next report comes out. Right now, we're going to be having a chit-chat with Pam Yankee. She had a chance to speak with Damon Smith with the University of Wisconsin Extension. Plant, He's a plant pathologist. Kind of talking about the crop wrap-up, what's going on, what we saw, and hopefully what we're not going to see next year. So that'll be coming up right here on Wax. We're at 32 degrees, looking for that high of 37. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. The 2022 growing season is over, and a mixed bag, depending on where you were. You got some dry weather, you had some insects, you had some disease. Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn, and uh, Pam, it seemed like every time you went in a different direction and asked Farmer about uh, how the crops are looking, you got a different answer. What? What's the final say? I, well, I think you're right. It depends where you ask the question, Bob. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee, the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And you're right. You know, if you stop and think about what most growers expected at the beginning of the growing season versus what they got, and then at the end of the growing season versus what they worked with, uh, our, our crystal ball was probably a wee bit cloudy. Now, imagine being a university extension specialist that has to try to have your research work Pivot with the weather, pivot with some of the challenges that were presented. 2022 was one of those interesting years, according to Dr. Damon Smith, University Extension plant pathologist. In fact, they have been making their way across the state of Wisconsin, having their concentrated agronomy meetings, sharing their results. And I started off just talking with Damon Smith about uh, some of his observations and the fact that there wasn't anything predictable about the growing season of 2022. Sure did. You know, we were expecting one thing and ended up with another at the end of the season, you know, and, and, you know, it really helped us out though, because we learned a lot on the research side of things. Um, 
you know, tar spot came in. We thought it was really going to blow up. It sort of subsided. And then at the end of the season sort of finished out, you know, increasing in the crop. It wasn't as big of a yield hit as we saw in 2021, but uh, certainly learned uh, from it this year. And it was good uh, from a research standpoint to have sort of a middle of the road year, you know, not the, not the train wreck of 2021. You know, when it came to soybeans, same sort of thing. You know, some folks just got a little bit caught off guard uh, with white mold because it turned dry and, and we sort of uh, settled in, but we, man, we got a good look at certain varieties that were highly susceptible out there. So there were certainly some pockets of white mold out there in soybeans. I know that a lot of people I talked to were ready to pivot fast when it came to a fungicide, not just once, but twice this year. Remind people, we started out wet in many areas of the state. I think that put everybody's flags up as far as white mold. And like you said, all of a sudden we get dry, huh? We'll relax. Explain to people how that white mold spore works. Yeah, it's uh, so we we there's a couple of things that have to happen on the crop side of things too, and uh, in, including uh, you know can, canopy closure. So those uh, farmers that are on wider row spacings, like a 30 inch row spacing, we we have to have uh, quite a bit of between row closure. Uh, if you're on a 15 inch row spacing, that usually isn't as big of an issue because you almost always meet that. Um, that that particular situation. So once that happens and we have bloom start, uh, typically the, those spore releases are start to coincide with that as long as we've had uh, enough moisture. And that was what sort of had us uh, guessing what was going to happen this year. And, and what we have seen, you know, uh, the last few years and also this year is that we start to get a little more wet towards the end of July and, and early August. You know, we've had drier Julys recently. And so what that's doing is it's actually pushing those spore flights a little later in that bloom time. And so, you know, five, six years ago, I was recommending a lot of applications of fungicides right when we saw first bloom. And I've sort of cooled off on that. And I've, I've changed that based on our data, you know, we're starting to see more success actually uh, closer to that initial um, uh, pod onset. So, you know, you sort of have to watch what's going on. Again, that bloom time, really, really important, knowing whether you have that between row closure, uh, flowers present, and then watching that weather to really make that decision. Now, I want to go back just a bit. For people that aren't familiar, Dr. Smith and his team developed Sporecaster and iterations of Sporecaster. Basically, it's a, a mobile app that allows you to not only estimate your vulnerability, but it also helps you, Damon, with knowledge about what's happening around the state. How was the uptake on Sporecaster this year? It's in-field use, and did it help you? Yeah, we've seen Sporecaster use increase every year. We're up well over 6,000 users, uh, and, and that's not just in Wisconsin. That's across the upper Midwest where white mold uh, really is a problem. And, you know, in Wisconsin, we consider this a really important problem, but when we look at the overall acreage effect, it's actually rather small. So it's impressive that we actually have, you know, 6,000-plus users uh, of Sporecaster. But uh, it is really helpful. It helps us look at across the geography and see where that risk potential is uh, helps us make some recommendations on the fly based on what we're seeing in terms of those risk indices, uh, and then we use a lot of that information and actually feed that back into the tool. So a lot of folks think we just built that tool and left it alone. That isn't true. We actually go in every winter. So this time of year, we're actually going in. We're taking what we learned in the previous season and we're actually updating that tool. And we try to keep it uh, relevant uh, to you know what's what's coming ahead. You know, we uh, talked about the fact that. Uh we went went from a, a practice of one fungicide application at Bloom to last year multiple applications. 
What did you see this year, Damon? How was availability of fungicides? Was there any one more effective than the other? And you also mentioned varieties. We don't have to spill the beans exactly, but tell people where they can find that kind of information. Yeah. uh, So in terms of, you know, this whole fungicide application timing thing, we, like I said, we've seen it shift. Last year, great example, you know, we probably needed two applications to kind of span that whole bloom time because the risk was really conducive across the whole time. This year, again, because it sort of shifted later on, we actually saw a single well-timed application of the R3 actually carried the full load. And we had some two-pass programs that were basically equally as effective. So that tells us that a lot of the work was done at that that sort of beginning pod um, development growth stage. So that's been really interesting to look at. Uh, we've also been looking at application technology. We're starting to look at these 360 drop nozzles that have been, you know, come on the scene. Uh, we're seeing some really interesting results with some efficacy actually boosted where we put these fungicides on below the canopy. Because uh, uh, where the spores actually go, they actually affect the mid-stem region of the soybean plant. So, you know, it makes sense if we're applying our fungicide as a barrier, we want it on that mid-stem and that 360 drop nozzle helps us get it there. In terms of varieties, we, you know, like I said, we've seen a wide range in variety susceptibility and resistance out there. A great place to look is Sean Conley's uh, variety trial testing book. So they actually have uh, white mold ratings in certain locations where they have white mold show up and they report that. Uh, So, you know, feel free to check those out. Company ratings also are available for for white mold across uh, all the major uh, seed uh, sources and then work with your local uh, seed rep. They know which varieties are performing well versus not in terms of that disease susceptibility. You know, keep in mind though, you know, the resistance isn't perfect. So even a, you know, highly resistant variety, that resistance is only partial. It gets us part of the way there and in really conducive environments, we may still need a fungicide application on top. Well, like you said, although it may hurt you to see your beans fall victim, in the big picture, acreage-wise, it's not very big. So maybe those companies are not necessarily dedicating a lot of attention to those genetics. Yeah, that can be the case too. You know, although <laughs> we've seen certain varieties that are really important get hit hard, and so you know those varieties end up catching the attention of those companies. So there is an active, uh, you know, resistance breeding uh, or multiple resistance breeding programs out there across the major companies. We work with a lot of the companies to try to screen their genetics for them and help them out with this. So it's not like we're just, you know, sort of apart from the companies. We are trying to help them get a handle on that, and it is tough. It's, you know, part of the problem here is that there are no specific genetic regions that we can tie to like we can with some diseases in corn. And so trying to actually make those selections is, is just really, really difficult and progress is slow. And again, that was Damon Smith. He's with the University of Wisconsin Extension Office. He's a plant pathologist, pathologist, and he's doing the crop wrap-up. So we'll be talking a little bit more about that. You can find out more information on our podcast waxradio.com and speaking of our podcast and waxradio.com we want to say thank you for everything you do in the agricultural field if you're a milk caller a nutritionist agronomist veterinarian you're the farmer because that's that's the big job of agriculture is the actual farmer we want to say thank you for everything that you do your hard work and us here in the farm department want to give you the gift of a half a hog courtesy of smith brothers meats up in colby and a chest freezer to put it in courtesy of Abbotsford Appliance up in Abbotsford. But to sign up to get that, you have to go to waxradio.com, click on the Midwest Farm Report tab, and sign up. Or you can sign up 
on our app to register. Well, you need to register to get that. Ah, you need to register to sign up for that half hog. And we will be choosing the winner here next week. So you've only got a little over a week left to get that chance to win a half a hog and that chest freezer. So we got to keep moving along, though. So sign up. Well, we're moving along. We've got Rocky Olson. He's coming in next. And this morning's markets, they'll be brought to you by... Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. We are exactly at half past five o'clock. 30 more minutes and then it'll be six o'clock. And we're going to be switching over now. we got to check in with our morning markets. Rocky Olson from Premier Livestock joins us now. Good morning, Rocky. Good morning. So, Christmas shopping, you got it all done? Uh, the wife's done a really good job with that. Okay, what did you buy her? I, that's, I still got to work on that. <laughs> So diamonds, I believe, are are a popular item. Uh, new vehicles, another popular item. Is that kind of what you're looking at? Yeah, uh, that's the problem. Everything we want is high ticket items. That's the problem. So. Aw, but you can you really put a price on love? I guess not. <laughs> She's probably Please. listening right now, going, "Yes, this is perfect." Yep, yep. And you're going, <laughs> "Nope, not going to happen." That's right. All right, Rocky. We'll catch us up. How did the sale go last week? And catch us up on this week. Uh, thank you, Kristen. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is how last week's market shaped up here at Premier Livestock. We had a big week. We sold over 3,700 head of livestock. Uh, fed cattle traded steady. High choice and prime Holstein steers, 133 to 147. Low choice and uh, selects, 122 to 133. Choice beef steers and heifers, 138 to 149. Market cows steady. High yielding cows from 72 to 87. Uh, most cows traded from 57 to 71. Market bulls, high yield. 84 to 97, lower yielding 83 and down. Organic market cows sold every Monday, high yielding cows from 90 to 112, lower yielding 89 and down. Newborn Holstein bull calves uh, traded strong last week, most bull calves from 75 to 185 per head on your Holsteins. Beef calves 150 to 330, Holstein heifer calves 10 to 75 with some higher. Uh, last Tuesday we had our special feeder cattle auction. We sold over a thousand head of feeder cattle. Uh, new crop beef Calves mostly 150 to 215. Most Holstein steers a dollar to a dollar 40. Uh, next big special will be next week, December 20th. We're expecting 800 to 1,000 head of feeder cattle. Uh, we are also featuring a special consignment of 150 Bolingo feeder cattle from the Midwest Bolingo Cattle Association. Uh, they're all going to be weaned over 45 days, and they're going to have two sets of shots. Last Wednesday's dairy cattle auction, uh, we sold a tremendous lineup of high quality dairy cattle. Top fresh cows brought. 2,500 all the way up to 4,200. Uh, we had uh, Jersey Crosses up to 4,000. We had many loads averaging from 27 to 3,250. This week, uh, Wednesday, we got three herds, two parlor freestall herds, one tie stall herd, several reputation loads of top fresh cows, including some Jerseys and some registered brown Swiss. Questions? Give us a call at Premier 715-229-2500. Lots more detailed information on consignments for the uh, feeder cattle sale, the dairy cattle auction, detailed market reports at premierlivestockandauctions.com. And that's how it shaped up, Kristen. Wow, what a busy week last week and another busy one coming up. You betcha. All right, well, I'll let you get to it and we'll catch you tomorrow. All right, thank you, Kristen. There he goes, Rocky Olson over at Premier Livestock this morning. We're at 32 degrees, but we're going to be hearing from Mike Dandry. He'll be coming in shortly and we'll be talking about What's in store for us next? 
feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And it's that time of the morning to check in on our weather. We're going to head over to our Skywarn 13 meteorologist, Mike Dandrea, and see what he knows this morning. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Kristen. So, we had some sketchy weather over the weekend, just on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And it looks like we're going to get more of that later this week. Sketchy is definitely a word for it. <laughs> um, yeah, today will be quiet. We'll have just mainly a cloudy sky and highs mostly into the mid-30s. And we'll keep that cloud cover through tonight. You know, a rather quiet day. Now, tomorrow is where things get a little interesting. Winds will start to pick up quite a bit. We'll start off, and in fact, most of the day will be rather quiet with a mostly cloudy sky. However, going into the latter half of the afternoon, this is where we'll start to see a little bit of rain and snow mixed in. And that'll continue really on and off for uh, most of the work week here. And that is likely going to create some travel impacts as our temperatures mostly hang out into the low to mid 30s uh, through a good bit of the work week. And uh, Wednesday, most likely one of the warmer days, though, getting into the upper 30s may have a little bit more rain before that transitions more into snow on Thursday. Highs back into the low to mid 30s for Thursday. By Friday, we'll still continue with that chance that some snow showers, mostly cloudy, low 30s, and some upper 20s for our highs. But then going into uh, the weekend on the back edge of the system, we'll see a much colder uh, temperatures move in. Mostly cloudy for Saturday, highs into the upper, t- or excuse me, the low 20s. And on Saturday night, likely dipping into the single digits. Sunday into the upper teens for our highs. And yeah, to kick off next week, we may even have high temperatures that are into the single digits. But for now, it is a rather mild start as we're sitting at 32 degrees with an overcast sky in Eau Claire. So are we expecting a white Christmas? I heard that you wanted your Christmas wish this year was a massive snowstorm. That would be, uh, it, it, put it this way, I would love that because I like the snow earlier in the winter. Yes. I, you know, I, I know that it tends to last well until April a lot of times, but uh, I like it up until about February. All right, so up until February, and then the snow can go away, and we can get spring and flowers and stuff. Yeah, Mother Nature and I need to have that conversation. Okay, so now I got a really important question for you. Okay. Are you done Christmas shopping? Yes, I finished my Christmas shopping. And you, so. what'd you get your wife? I'm not going to say, because she might be listening. Oh, come on. <laughs> no. You're going to leave us hanging? Exactly. I'll tell uh, you after Christmas. Oh, after Christmas. After the <laughs> new year, too. Yeah. All right, you got it wrapped? Yes. Wow, you're I on know. top of this. Look at me. Yep. Can't wait to see those kids coming, and then you're going to have everything done and ready to go, like starting December 1st. Uh, Yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, well, you have a great day. Thanks for the update on the weather. Absolutely. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. There he goes, our Skywarn 13 meteorologist, Mike Tandria, this morning. And you heard him, 32 degrees with some sketchy weather later this week. Cold next week. And we're going to be switching over now. Morgan is ready for me. I see her saying good morning. Good morning, Morgan. I guess catch us up. What's going on in the newsroom today? Well, good morning. Here's what we're learning today. We'll start with headlines that keep us pretty close to our area as a firefighter is recovering from being hurt while fighting a house fire in Holman. With 715 Newsroom coverage, John DeMaster brings us more. Lacrosse fire officials say the firefighter was working the scene when he was hurt. Nobody was hurt in the fire itself, including the people inside when the fire started. Lacrosse firefighters say it took several hours to get the flames completely out. Investigators, they're now looking for a cause. 
I'm John DeMaster. A Wisconsin State Patrol canine has died unexpectedly after eight years of service. As a Facebook post over the weekend says, Ronnie the German Shepherd passed away Thursday at age nine. Post uh, saying that Ronnie joined the State Patrol in 2014, mostly working out of our area here in Eau Claire, has been responsible for seizing a large amount of contraband in his career. The patrol saying that they salute canine Ronnie for his dedicated service and that he will be deeply missed. As we stretch the lens a little bit to another part of the state, state and federal authorities are now investigating the shooting death of a Milwaukee postal worker. Authorities say 44-year-old victim was shot and killed heading into the weekend while delivering mail and had been with the Postal Service for almost 18 years. Milwaukee Mayor Cavalier Johnson calling that death alarming as the Postal Service is now offering a $50,000 reward for any information leading to an arrest. A tweet from the Postal Inspection Service says authorities are looking for a silver Audi SUV with tinted windows that the suspect should be considered armed and dangerous. The FBI is assisting in that investigation. As we look to the political stage, we see that there is a TikTok thumbs down from U.S. Congressman Mike Gallagher, who's joining fellow Republicans in attempting to ban TikTok from the United States. Green Bay Congressman tells WISN's up front that the company is actually controlled by the Communist Party in China, and that makes it a security risk. In China, there's no such thing as a private company. Independent security experts say that TikTok is collecting the same sorts of personal data as any other social media company, though it's unclear what sort of support the effort will see from Democrats. While we're looking at the uh, political stage, we go to the Capitol, and Wisconsin needs a new public health boss. Governor Evers heading into the weekend said Health Secretary-designee Karen Timberlake is leaving that administration as she stepped up after Wisconsin's previous health boss. Maybe you remember the name Andrea Palm. She left for the Biden administration. Timberlake never took the job officially. She was never confirmed by the state Senate. There's no word on who could be replacing her Though the governor's office says Timberlake's last day will be next year on January 2nd. Well, it was overtime for the Badgers men's basketball team to get past Iowa. Wisconsin leaned on Tyler Wall's 21 points to grab that 78-75 win yesterday. Maybe you had a little uh, faster heartbeat if you watched that. And speaking of slam dunks, we take it from the court to the classroom. A 90-year-old woman is finally a college graduate more than 70 years after starting her college education. She's named Joyce and she graduated from Northern Illinois University with a Bachelor of General Studies degree. I came to Northern in 1951. I was the first one in the family that went away to college. My major was early elementary. She returned to school in 2019 after being encouraged by her family to do so, finishing that degree at 90 years old. And with the Masters in the Pitchfork, we send it back to the barn with Kristen Smith as she's live, local, and right along with you in the Midwest Farm Show here on Wax 104.5. Thanks so much, Morgan, for the update on the news. And you're right, I am pretty good with a Pitchfork. Um, we've got stuff we got to keep moving along here. We've got your morning markets. Those will be coming in next. We'll be talking with Jim Lindsay, so stay tuned. Keeping it rural. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And it's time to check in with your morning markets this morning. We're heading over to the Equity Tuna Bar and checking in with Jim Lindsay. And Jim, how'd the sale go last week? Three to six hundred pound beef steers, a dollar twenty-five to a dollar ninety-six. Six to nine hundred pound beef steers, a dollar fifteen to a dollar ninety-three. Three to six hundred pound beef heifers, a dollar twenty to a dollar seventy-four. Six to nine hundred pound beef heifers, a dollar five to a dollar fifty-one. Three to six hundred pound Holstein steers, eighty to a dollar thirty. Six to nine hundred pound Holstein steers, seventy to a dollar twenty-four. Our next special feeder sale is Friday, December sixteenth at noon. All feeder sales are live on Kettle USA. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on Kettle USA, 
or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715-835-3104 to check out our early consignments. Go to the Equity Livestock Market consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day. You too, Jim. Thank you so much. And now we're going to head over to the Stratford Equity Barn and check in with Jerry Fitzgerald. Good morning, Jerry. Well, Kristen, and a good morning to you. And uh, for the folks that didn't see you on TV, she's all dressed up with her fancy Christmas uh, stuff on today, right? Yes, I got my Christmas scarf on. Yeah, well, you're probably going to need it later on in the week, I guess, huh? Yeah, it's supposed to get a little sketchy this week, and next week they're talking single digits. Uh, For highs? Yes. Good thing I wasn't paying attention to the weather guy. (laughs) I know, right? I, I'm like, I want snow, but not the cold. So I, I don't think that's too much to ask for. Okay. Now, we got to straighten this out here before we go on. You like the snow, but you don't like the cold, and you live in Wisconsin. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, we'll just leave it at that then. <laughs> All right, Jerry. Well, catch us up. What's going on at the Stratford Equity Barn? All right, uh, Chris and I will do that, and thank you, and a very good morning to everyone. Uh, well, first of all, we'll look ahead at the sales schedule this week here at Equity Stratford. Again, a full marketing week on tap here as we do get started this this morning, uh, Monday morning here with the market auction today. We sell conventional market cows today along with the uh, fed cattle and market bulls. Get to the baby calves. Uh, that'll be about 1130. And, of course, we've seen the last few weeks the uh, strongest calf market has been on Monday's auction. Looking forward to that again today. Tuesday, tomorrow will be uh, 10 o'clock start time. We have the hay and bedding auction. 11 o'clock tomorrow, we'll, we'll have the uh, uh, market cattle, and we also sell organic market cattle every single Tuesday here in Stratford, along with the regular market cattle. Our Wednesday auction starts around 10, full marketing day on Wednesday, of course, featuring fed cattle. Feeder cattle also sale this week as a noontime start, and advanced consignments for that feeder cattle this week. We do have some consignments of very fancy white park cattle, so if you folks are looking to buy some white parks, uh, they're going to weigh around 500. They're going to be weaned, vaccinated. We also have a large consignment of yearling Holstein bulls, they will be vaccinated. That's some of the early consignments for the feeder auction, and of course our Thursday auction, 11 o'clock market auction, along with the baby calves. And just a brief recap from last week, uh, cow market, uh, kind of on a steady to week trend, high yielding fleshier cows last week, mostly from 68 to 78 on the close. Uh, we did have top cows last week, up to 84. Those were on beef cows. Most of the cows last week, 52 to 68. And uh, organic cows, 80 to 89. And the calf market, like I said, a strong calf market on Monday. Bull calves on Monday up to 190. On the close, most of the bull calves were at 75 to 150. Again, uh, full marketing week on tap here at Stratford. Again, a lot of information on our website. Uh, website. And just want to mention our next dairy auction will be December 20th. That will be one week from tomorrow. We do have a concern assignment of uh uh, organic cows. These are coming from an overstocked organic operation, and they're sending uh, some good quality first lactation uh, Holstein organic cows, and that's going to be on December 20th. For more information on our website, I invite you folks to take a look at that. And again, we will be back here tomorrow morning uh, to give an update on how the market is shaping up here this week. Uh, again, uh, getting close to the holidays, it's uh, wait and see what happens, but uh, I'm not real crazy about that weather forecast you just told me, so... Yeah. Well, enjoy today. At least it's going to be a mostly cloudy day in 37. Yeah, it'll be nice to see the sun and then some mixture of some garbage coming in this week, I guess. Well, anyway, Kristen, you enjoy the day, and we will... uh, By the way, Jill got the day off? Yes, she's at home. Oh, I think she's wrapping her Christmas presents for us. Oh, well, that would be all right. Well, I I think so. That's why I let her stay home, so she can wrap presents. 
I see. Okay. Well, anyway, it's been nice chatting with you. And again, uh, you have a nice day. And like I said, we'll be back here tomorrow morning, same time here. We'll give the folks an update on how the markets are shaping up here. So with that, Kristen, we'll turn it back to you and enjoy the very, uh, very nice Monday. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Jerry. There he goes, Jerry Fitzgerald, over at the Stratford Equity Barn. We've got more coming up here on Wax, including the Alfalfa Update Program. So we've got that coming up. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. It's getting to be the winter season, and when the pastures go away, it's time we've got to start feeding those animals out in the field another way. Usually it's uh, big bales. Dan Undersander is with us on our next Alfalfa Update program to talk about that and saving that hay and not wasting it. And, Dan, there are a lot of bale feeders and other techniques, I guess, out there that we can use, but... What works the best? Because if you don't do something, you're wasting a lot of hay. Well, that's right, Bob. But a lot of studies over the years have showed if you just put a bale out there and let cattle up to it to eat on it, they pull out a bunch, and I think everybody knows how cattle eat. They take a bite, they back up, they chew on it, and then the stuff on either side of their mouth falls on the ground. Once it hits the ground, it gets trampled on, manured on, and they don't eat it. So what we see is that if a bale is put out uh, for cattle to get around without any kind of feeding system, uh, we're likely to lose up to 40% of the hay that was in that bale uh, just to trampling. At this day and age, uh, with the high cost of having made the hay with the fuel and so on this summer, and or the $200 a ton value of medium quality hay, uh, it's maybe worthwhile to think about doing something to improve the feeding efficiency. In other words, how much of the hay in the bale the cattle actually eat. There are several ways that we can do this. Some people have done it simply by setting up electric wire systems and having the cattle eat under the wires. Uh, That does work. There's still some loss on the ground, but uh, the loss is considerably less than doing nothing. Uh, A lot of people have the ring feeders, and again, those are okay. Uh, But indications are we're still losing about 20% because the cow sticks its head into the feeder, grabs a bite and backs up, and still drops forage on the ground outside. The best feeders are what we call the cradle feeders where the bale is up in a cradle and the cows reach essentially underneath uh, to get the hay out of the bale. Uh, That way, when they back up and drop the uh, hay, it falls inside the feeder, and then they will come back and eat it. Uh, We can get down to as little as 5 to 10% loss with the appropriate feeder. So I encourage farmers to think about this because you can... Uh, pretty quickly pencil in the difference between a 40% loss and a 5 or 10% loss of the hay that you're feeding. It's also uh, beneficial in that then less hay is needed or haylage. If we're losing 40%, we have to have that much extra feed. If we're only losing uh, 5 or 10%, then it doesn't take as many bales of feed to feed the herd through the the winter, and and that is another cost savings a lot of people don't think about. So do think about uh, some kind of feeder. Any method is helpful, and this is a good year to do that, but far and away the best feeders are the small square cradle feeders. 
I might point out that there's data that indicates that the wagon rack cradle feeders are not quite as good because the boss cows push the other cows away and interrupt their eating and reduce their intake. So do think carefully about the, the cow philosophy, philosophy as you are arranging your feeding system. And do keep in mind that right now uh, that difference in reducing hay loss can have a big effect on your profitability. No question about it. You might save time by just taking it out there and dumping it, but you're losing money. Dan Undersander, our state forage specialist, again with us on our next Girl Alfalfa Update program. Thanks so much, Bob. And now we're going to take a look at our markets one last time for the morning. On the Chicago Board of Trade, we've got your March corn. That's up two cents at 646. Your March oats up a penny at 335. March beans are down 22 cents on the overnight to 1465. Your March soybean meal was down $8.60 a ton to $460 a ton. Your March wheat down eight at 742. Switching to country elevators in the area, we've got Golden Plump in Arcadia at 623 for corn. Baldwin is at 601 for corn, 1388 for beans. Durand is at 592 and 1382. Mondovi's at 603 and 1387. Elmwood is at 601 for corn, 1392 for beans. Fall Creek is at 583 and 1367. Osseo's at 606 and 1392. Elk Mound is at 594 for corn, 1390 for beans. Sparta's at 583 and 1368. Ellsworth is at 581 and 1338. And Wheat and Grain in Chippewa Falls is at 590 for corn and 1403 for beans. Ethanol plants in the area, Boyce Hills at 612, Stanley and New Richmond both at $6. On the dairy side, barrel cheese was unchanged on Friday to $1.95. Your blocks were up two and a half cents to two oh nine and a half. And your class three futures were up twelve and three quarter cents to two eighty one and a quarter. And your class three futures for December were up twelve cents at twenty fifty. January up a penny at nineteen twenty four. February up a dime at nineteen twenty eight. March up four cents at nineteen fifty. April up six at nineteen seventy two. And then those markets were mixed through twenty twenty three. And just some interesting information for you. We've got that snow and rain coming in starting a little bit tonight, tomorrow afternoon, and tomorrow night. It looks like we are getting kicked into a winter storm watch starting on Tuesday evening. So please be aware of that. We're at 32 degrees right now. And just a quick little story for you. My niece, who's grown up in Wisconsin her entire life, is actually out in Washington right now. And they got snow, like two or three inches of snow. And she's... She called her parents and said, it's crazy. These people are in the ditches all over the place, and they have the SUVs, the trucks, and the cars. Here she is in her little car, just trugging right along and just flying by them all. Not a problem in the world. And I said, you know what she needs? She needs a sign for her window that says, I'm from Wisconsin, so that everyone knows, follow her. She knows where she's going. It's one thing about living here in the state. We know how to drive in the snow. Take it nice and steady. You know, who won the race, the turtle or the hare? Nice and slow and steady always wins the race. So that's what's going on today. 32 degrees, mostly cloudy day, looking for a high of 37. And if you want a chance to win a half a hog and a freezer, you got to go to waxradio.com. Click on the Midwest Farm Report tab because we want to say thank you to all the farmers and anyone involved in agriculture for everything they do, including the agricultural teachers, your FFA advisors. We want you to sign up to win that half a hog from Smith Brothers Meats and Colby and the chest freezer from Abby Appliance. So go to waxradio.com and sign up. 
You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report. Available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed and Montovi. And the Chilson family of Ram dealerships, Chippewa Falls and Kadok. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com.